Digital Marketing Radio, episode 220, the five keys to building a great brand. DigitalMarketingRadio.com Broadcasting live on the Digital Marketing Radio Facebook page. This is the weekly show that prizes actionable advice from today's top digital marketers. Catch up with all the previous shows at DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain Well, hello there, I'm David Bain, and today I'm joined by a man who helped take GoPro from a startup to over a billion dollars in sales in just a few short years. He is the author of Buy Now, and his next book, Transactional Mar- uh, Transactional Branding, is due out soon. So welcome to DMR, Rick Cesare. Hey, David. Thanks. It's great to be here. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Rick. Well, you can find Rick over at CesareIgnite.com, and I will include a link to that in the show notes over at DigitalMarketingRadio.com. But um, today, Rick, we're talking about the key elements of building a great brand. So to begin with, would you actually say that building a great brand is an integral part of building a great business? I think it it absolutely is. And especially these days right now with so much uh, uh, online marketing and e-commerce, but especially anybody that's selling their products on Amazon, one of the biggest problems they have is is the need to establish a good brand for their product because otherwise there's so much competition in each category that it ends up being a price war and and they call it a race to the bottom. Mm. So we're working with a lot of Amazon sellers to help them create both sales and and their brand uh, while on Amazon and outside of Amazon as well. Okay, um, so someone, I guess, um, in this particular example um, with Amazon is seeing perhaps the same product but with multiple sellers. What aspects of a brand would make it more likely for someone to make someone actually choose to make a purchase with one person and not another person? That's a good question. You know, we have to I maybe back up just a, a little bit and just talk a little bit about my, my background for just a second. Sure. And a, a lot of the brands, you mentioned GoPro, uh, even before GoPro, you know, we helped build the Juice Man brand, the George Foreman Grill, OxyClean, uh, Rug Doctor, a, a lot of consumer products. And what I've found over the years in, in building these products, and, and, and I know this is the digital marketing radio, but some of these were actually started before there was even much of an internet or e-commerce process. It's all, all about great marketing principles, isn't it, that are simply applied exactly. online. Exactly. Mm. And, and that's the point I wanted to make is that the same keys that worked um, offline uh, have been, you can translate and get those to work online. And so whether someone's selling on Amazon or e-commerce or whatever, if they want to build their brand, I always tell them that there's five really important things to do. And these aren't earth shattering, but I found if you you do all five of these and you do that, whether, you, you, you know, on your, on your website and everywhere you're marketing with your product and you do them consistently, and it'll help generate sales and help build the brand in, in the long term. So then, you know, circling back to the question you asked about what kind of advice I'd give the people on Amazon, it, it really is um, that to think through the number one thing on my key of building brands is, is really thinking through what's your USP or unique selling proposition. Why is your product or service different than every other product or service out there? And then how can you communicate that? And that's really the starting point uh, for almost every product that that we work with in helping them build their brand. 
Okay, so what you're saying, in effect, then, is your brand is more than just a logo or the look and feel of what you do. It's actually through the, the essence of everything that you happen to say on your website or in any content that you produce as well. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's not about whether your product is better than someone else. It's more about the different. How is your product different than everyone else out there? And if you can highlight what's different about it, you know, the second thing on my list of five keys is about positioning. And there's a great book. Uh, it's been out for quite a while, but it's called Blue Ocean Strategy. And it's all about positioning and it's looking, where's the blue ocean for your product? So when you come up with your unique differences, how can you position your product in a space that's, that other people aren't in? And the, those are two of the keys that I work with people to, you know, in building their brand. Is it easy then through those uh, th- th- these areas that you're talking about, the, the, these, these five areas, to actually, um, I guess, articulate the difference between what an average brand is and, and what a great brand is? Yes, it is. You know, once you've, you've identified the, the five keys, you know, u- unique selling proposition, uh, positioning, the next one is delivering value. That's number three. In other words, Richard Branson has a great quote about under promise and over deliver. And I know a lot of times with a lot of, and I'm not throwing everybody in the same basket here, but a lot of times with internet marketers, they do the opposite of that. And it's hard to build long-term value. So, so delivering value is, is, is a very important key. Uh, Listening to your customers, getting feedback from your customers and listening to what they say and utilizing that information in your marketing. And the last is really just using authentic testimonials. And if you put those five things together, that is is really what uh, I've found that's helped me create really great brands that are are you know fairly iconic that people use in their homes every day. And it's doing these things on a consistent basis and messaging them on a consistent basis, regardless of 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 how you're delivering that marketing message. Um, I think it'd be useful for the listeners certainly if we we, we go back through these areas and I guess. Um, perhaps get some examples and um, perhaps some takeaways that they can actually action within their businesses. So, I mean, sorry, just to revisit point number one, um, what was what was number one again? All right. Number one is is developing a unique selling proposition. Okay. So so how would would a business go about doing that then? Okay. Well, let me give you an example. Mm. Um, And this goes back a few years, but we were my agency was Cesare Media was working with a product called Sonicare. Okay. And Sonicare was a $150 toothbrush when the most expensive toothbrush on the market was two or three dollars. And so what was it that Sonicare did different than any other product out there? And once you understand how what's how the Sonic technology worked, the Sonic technology gave you the ability to clean beyond the bristles. And so if you understand what causes gum disease, it's little it's the bacteria that hides in the nooks and crannies of your teeth. So now here's a product that cleans beyond the bristles. Nobody else can do that. And that's what the unique selling proposition for the Sonicare toothbrush was. So we basically were going out and educating the consumer about gum disease. And the solution was a sonic sonic technology or Sonicare toothbrush that had the ability to clean beyond the bristles and eliminate those bacteria and, and give you better dental checkups. So it's not always easy to develop what's unique about your um, product or service, but it, it, that's where you need to spend a lot of time trying to figure out 
what you can do better or different than the competitors out in the field. Okay, and do you need to talk to your car, your target market, your customers, your prospects to actually find out what they care about and why they would purchase a product similar to what you offer to actually try and hone that USP? Or is this something that you do by yourself? No, I think what you said first is absolutely mandatory, uh, that the more feedback you can get from people that are using your product, your actual customers or your clients, that's going to give you the best information. Every single one of the products I mentioned earlier uh, that we started working with when they were doing less than a million dollars in sales, and some of them have grown to $200 million in sales or more, um, they all started with uh, me sitting down and talking to 25 or 30 customers that had used the product. I'd ask them a series of questions. And then based on the feedback, the people, you'd start to see patterns of what people liked about the product, what they didn't like, uh, the reasons they would buy. And it helps you craft that unique selling proposition. So definitely you don't do this in a vacuum, get as much feedback from uh, paying customers as possible. Okay. And um, can you remind us what number two was again? Number two was positioning. Okay, positioning. How do you position your product? Once you, once you develop, and I'll give you a good, a good example of positioning. Uh, a company that my brother and I actually owned was called Trillium Health Products. And, one, and this was going back a long time again. Uh, but one of the products that we manufactured was the Juice Man Juice Extractor. And we really kind of started the whole juicing craze all over the world. We, we were able to grow that company from zero to 75 million in only three and a half years. And one of the reasons is there were much bigger manufacturers out there. As a matter of fact, two of the most popular juicers back then were from German companies called Braun and Krupps. And because they were German companies, they were proud of their engineering. And the way they marketed those products were we have a very powerful motor, we have a stainless steel blade, we have dishwasher proof plastic. And so what we came out, instead of focusing on the machine, we started talking about the benefits of drinking the juice and we positioned our juicer more as a health machine or a health device. And we talked about if you drink fresh juice, you can have more energy, you can live longer and really didn't even talk about the machine at all because the people were buying the benefits of what the juice could do and they weren't buying the size of the motor. And, you know, there's an old saying, um, features tell and benefits sell. And that was one of the things we did there. But we really positioned our juicer in a place as being good for your health. And we really focused on the juice that came out of the machine and not the machine itself. And did you have much say into the naming of the brand itself? Or are you simply focusing on everything that goes around the name of the brand? That I was, we were focusing on everything that went around the, and that was a particular case where we didn't actually name the product. There was a uh, gentleman out in the um, uh, marketplace. He was doing seminars, small seminars at, at health food stores, and his name was Jay Cordage. Um, and he actually was known as the Juice Man. But we thought that was a really good name, and we we took that over. I have to admit to your listeners or viewers even that. I'm not very good at naming, but it's funny that a lot of the names of products that have been built into the brands have very catchy two-syllable names. You mentioned GoPro before, mm. Sonicare, Juice Man. The only one that kind of fits outside that mold is the George Foreman Grill, and that was got popular for another reason. Um, 
that one actually had a long name, the Lean Mean Fat Reducing Grilling Machine. <laughs> Absolutely. I remember that one. And um, oh, yeah. the name um, seems to be quite important, but um, obviously what we've primarily been talking about so far is um, everything that goes around that. So can you actually take a brand that maybe doesn't have an outstanding name and still make that into a great brand because of everything else that goes around it? I think if you're starting with, to answer to your question, I, I believe is yes. I don't think you can make every product out there a great brand, but if you follow the five principles or the five keys to building a brand, you can really get it to um, a certain level that maybe it wouldn't have reached before. And so the very first thing we do in answer to your question is, if there's an existing product in the marketplace, we do that background research, talk to the customers, talk to the people that are buying the product, find out what they like about it, and then incorporate those things that they like um, into your, your branding message. And, and it really starts with that very basic grassroots uh, preliminary research. So in reviewing those five areas, I think we got to number one and number two. Um, what, what was number three again? Number three, and, and let me um, tell your listeners that you can download the five keys to building a great brand if you go to uh, Cesare Ignite forward slash branding. Uh, you can download those at no charge, and we can talk about that a little bit later at the end of the uh, podcast too. But that way they have them right in front of them. But uh, the branding key number three was delivering value. And that's where you can set your product apart um, from a lot of other products out there. And I, I'll just give you, and, and again, I like using real examples. Sure. And in this case, a real example would be work we did with OxyClean. And OxyClean's famous. I don't know if uh, a lot, probably a lot of your listeners or viewers have uh, seen Billy Mays, the amazing pitch guy that, that, that was on there. We made Billy Mays' very first infomercial way back in 1996. Again, it's going back a long time. Um, but actually, when we started working with them, they were doing uh, just under a million in sales and helped build them up to 200 million. But getting back to the delivering value, every time we were doing direct-to-consumer marketing, so every time we delivered a package of OxyClean, we would also put in there um, samples of some of the other cleaning products that the parent company had. And the parent company was called Orange Glow International. And Orange Glow basically started out uh, selling furniture polish that had an orange scent. You've heard, you've heard of Lemon Pledge. They had a furniture polish with an orange scent. That's what made it a little bit different. So when you ordered a, a thing of OxyClean, you would get um, not only the, the tub that you ordered, they would automatically, if you ordered a 12 ounce size, they'd automatically increase it to a little bit bigger size and then um, also include uh, additional um, products in there. The orange clean, uh, glow furniture polish and Kaboom tub and tile cleaner. So it did two things as it, when a, when a um, customer got the product and they opened the box, they were pleasantly surprised because there was more in there um, than, than that they anticipated. So they were happy about that. And then also it was a way of cross-marketing the other cleaning products that the, that the company had. So, so again, going back to that quote I said from Richard Branson is about under-promising and over-delivering is, is one of the uh, uh, keys that he said, a quote that he said is one of the keys to his success. So when you talk about 
delivering value, you're obviously not talking about price. You're talking about perceived value. Does that mean that Correct. you can be the most expensive product or service in the market, but still have the highest perceived value? Absolutely. And that's a really good point because I most of the products we've talked about and, and my mindset is to as long as the product is a really good product, not to try to market it based on price or a lower price. I like to establish the highest price that a, that a customer would be willing to pay for it based on the value because it creates a, um, a pricing umbrella that opens up all the other channels that, you, that you're able to market on. So let me give you an example of increasing value um, and really it, 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 it falls a, lot of, a little bit under the terms of like content marketing. Um, so when we did the George Foreman grill, again, somebody thought they were just getting the grill. Well, inc included with the grill were three um, uh, recipe pamphlets that uh, basically were, had about a dozen recipes in each one. So when the people got the grill, they not only got the grill, they had a, they had a diet that they could follow that would help lose weight. They had another diet they follow that would help build um, their immune system. Uh, different things like that, that's information that you can put in with your product, again, that creates a pleasant surprise when the consumer gets it. And then you encourage them to start actually using the products to make it more likely that they'd yes. be satisfied with it and tell their friends about it. Exactly. Absolutely. And and that's that's really the, the, the purpose of delivering value is one, especially if you're doing direct-to-consumer marketing, you want to cut down on the return rate. And the way you do that is get people using it. They like it. And then the upside to that is they tell their friends and you get that uh, viral or word of mouth marketing. And, you know, when we talk about, we'll talk about GoPro in a, in a few minutes. And really that was a company that was built on um, telling friends and, and a viral aspect of, of, of uh, marketing and how that um, delivering value really helped in that case too. Can you remind us what number four is in the list of, um, in the keys to uh, build a great brand? Yeah, so number four, and again, we're, we're overlapping um, a little bit, but I think this is really great information. And, and number four is always listen to your customers. And this, th this is not only going past that step in the very beginning when you're trying to figure out your USP and you're reaching out to your customers or your clients, but as you're doing working um, and building your brand, the more you can reach out and get feedback um, from your, your customers and find out, again, what they like, what they don't like, they'll tell you what's what's right with your product, what's wrong with it. And I think a, a lot of companies, um, they have some initial success and then they think that they know everything and they start doing things in a vacuum and not getting that feedback from their customers. And, and I think that hurts them. So it's, it's again, I said these things were very basic. When you think about them, they sound like common sense, but you'd be surprised at how many people when they're building a brand or trying to do marketing um, that they, they don't consistently do all five, five of the things that I've mentioned. So in terms of why you would listen to your customers, are you suggesting that if you get enough feedback in a certain direction, then you would actually change aspects of your brand. Absolutely. And not just your brand, your product. Um, again, it's your customers that are, that are really telling you what they like, what they don't like. So if there's something on a particular product um, that they're saying, oh, this is great, but it should do this. And again, you're not like taking one voice out of a thousand, but if you have um, a thousand people out there 
and then all of a sudden a hundred of them are talking about something very similar, you better listen. That's a very, very good trend that you do. And the reason I, I keep saying listen to your customer, I really believe in that more than any kind of focus group because these are people that have put their hand in their pocket, taken money out to purchase your product and there, there isn't a really more authentic or honest feedback you're going to get than someone who's actually purchased your product. And remind us what number five was again. And number five um, was authentic testimonials. And I think this falls, it falls into branding, but it definitely falls into marketing. And, you know, some of these things are kind of connected. So we talk about a good thing to do in the very beginning is to go out and talk to your customers. So I've had a lot of success um, using video and and regardless of the marketing we're doing, whether it's TV or online. And so one of the things that I do when I um, go out and initially talk to people is I'll bring uh, a video camera. I'm not the technical guy. I have somebody who's the, you know, the, the operator and, and the sound person. And so as I'm asking these people questions, I'm videotaping it. And those are the uh, really authentic feedback that you're getting. And then you can use that footage to, you know, on your website, making YouTube videos, you know, if you're doing any type of TV advertising, um, uh, all of those things that that video comes in really, really useful. Again, for your website, if you look at a website or e-commerce and you look at ones that have really good testimonials versus ones that don't, I, I believe, and based on my um success with products over the years, the ones with the really good testimonials will outsell the ones that don't. And so they, these can't be made up testimonials. That's why I put authentic testimonials. These are people that are really using the product. You're getting feedback and you're able then to take that testimonial, whether it's in video or print form, and use it on the marketing that you're doing. And I love the, the emphasis you're putting on having conversations with your customers. You're saying talk to your customers because many marketers, many digital marketers nowadays are probably a little bit too guilty of hiding behind a computer and just waiting for sales to come in. And if sales don't come in, uh, testing conversion rates or trying to drive more traffic to their website as well. But perhaps they won't get a good feel for what isn't working until they actually do talk physically to the people who um, are attempting to buy something or perhaps aren't willing to buy something because something isn't right about their business. So it's, it's an integral um, part um, of success in terms of business. And I think that um, it's something that um, a lot of online business people are probably missing. Oh, absolutely. It's, that it's the one consistent thread that, that we've used throughout all of these um, brands that we've helped build. And, and so I'm, I'm a big believer in that. Great. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously, you've, you've got an extensive background in uh, offline marketing. I'd, you know, but it's, it's so important um, to get your opinion in terms of what aspects of, of digital appeal to you or you can relate with in terms of adding your skills to. So I'm looking forward to hearing your answers to the uh, the second part of our conversation. But in a, mom a moment, we're going to be talking about that. But first of all, um, I would like to say to the viewer, the um, listener, have you purchased your copy of Digital Marketing in 2017, the book yet? 107 digital marketers, all in one book, and all sharing their number one actionable tip for the year, written by me. So you can find that over at digitalmarketingin2017.com. But let us segue into the second part of the discussion. I need to get my copy. 
happy. You do, absolutely, yes. Uh, <laughs> I need to hold it up like that as well. And um, and Rick's got a book um, coming out as well, of course. You, we, we talked about in the, the, the earlier part of the show, or mentioned at the early part of the show. Um, is that actually out as we speak, or is it um, due oh, to launch? It's not out, and I have to make an, an update, and I apologize because you were probably sent the, the wrong information. I have a book out that you can get on Amazon right now that's called Buy Now, but the new book that's coming out is called building billion dollar brands and that'll be out uh, probably in uh, late September of this year and I'll obviously let people know when when it's available. Uh-huh. So is the other one that we mentioned at the beginning of the show, is that uh, on the shelf permanently or is, is that um, deferred? Oh, well, well, it was interesting. That was, that was kind of a working title. And, um, you know, I had, I people always ask, what are you working on? Do you have another book coming out? Mm-hmm. And I hadn't thought of the new title yet. And so that was the one that I was using as a working title. And, you know, the idea of transactional branding, it's really based on building your brand while you're selling your product or doing direct response sales. And that's, and you know, we could talk a whole other hour about the difference between regular brand advertising and um, direct response brand advertising. And I fall into the direct response. And so the book title with that initial one was supposed to really incorporate talking about building your brand while you sell your product um, and, and how that enables people without a lot of resources to throw at branding um, to be able to generate the funds to, to, to do that. And those concepts are in the book. We just came up with, I felt, a, a, a better or sexier title, Building Billion Dollar Brands, because both the George Foreman Grill and GoPro, we were able to build into a billion dollars in sales. And, uh, um, and, I, and I just, I know we're, we're, uh, you're going to ask me a couple of questions. I just want to tell the GoPro story really quick sure, because I think your, your viewer, you know, based on digital marketing will appreciate that because a lot of the other products I talked about were driven by direct response TV. With GoPro, um, I met uh, Nick Woodman, the founder of the company at the outdoor retailing show in Salt Lake City, and he was selling these cameras out of the back of a Volkswagen bus and he had his trade show booth. He, he couldn't afford one. So he drove his Volkswagen bus into the trade show and he was a surfer guy. That's how the product came up, came about is he wanted to take pictures of himself while he was surfing. So anyway, I said, this would be a great product to sell through direct response. And he came up to Seattle and we actually sat down for lunch and talked about how we wanted to build this company into a billion dollar business. But part of the key marketing this, and this is something that I think is really um, can have a big impact on on your listeners is uh, basically we, you know, the GoPro pretties are GoPro videos are amazing. And so what Nick did was get as many GoPros out to the influencers. In this case, his, his influencers were extreme athletes. And so you had all these extreme athletes posting videos on the GoPro website. So one of the things we need to do is how do we drive some traffic to the website? And so we came up with the idea of a contest basically saying one, uh, uh, we ran some TV ads and basically said, one viewer will win one of everything we make every single day. So somebody would see the ad, whether it was on TV or online, they'd go to the website in order to win the contest, they had to register their name. And so they were able to build a database that they were able to market other products to in the future. But the other thing that happened when they got to the website, one, they would purchase a product or two, even if they didn't purchase it, they would look at the cool videos, pass them to the, around to their friends. And that's how that business really went viral was um, the, the passing around of the, of the video footage 
um, uh, for the product. And so it was kind of just a really simple marketing uh, direct-to-consumer idea that helped that brand grow really, really quickly. Great. Okay. So what year was this approximately? Um, this We're going back about eight years, eight or nine years when we, we first met and started doing doing this. Okay. So it's not too early in terms of the internet era because obviously eight years ago youtube oh, no, this, were still yeah. right yeah oh absolutely and and I, a lot of this marketing was probably the the most of it was just three or four years ago when when a lot of this happened so again we started working with them and in the course of the eight years they they went from a million to about a billion dollars in sales so um just it, it's pretty astronomical but but again that shows you a really good product with good marketing and good branding that, it, you know, there is no limit to, to what could happen. Do you think it's easier to go from 100 million to a billion than it is to go from nothing to a million? That's a great question. I don't, I, I think it's definitely, most of the big successes we've had were products that were somewhere in the zero to a million that we didn't help them get that initial sales. Mm -hmm. But obviously if they had that much feedback from the, the marketplace, what we were really good at is basically putting a magnifying glass on a small success and making it bigger. And so to answer your question, I don't know about the hundred to a billion, but um, basically it's much easier once the product has some initial success in the marketplace because it's validated to take that one million and build it into five or 10 or 20 or a hundred. Hmm. Um, and only a few products obviously go from a hundred to a billion. So sure. that, that I would say that part is difficult, but, but, Taking it, uh, the first million, I, to answer your question, is definitely the hardest. After that, um, it's really, you know, what the marketplace is for the product and how big it can get. Well, let's segue into the second part of our discussion. So that focuses on okay. Rick's thoughts on where digital marketing has been and where it's heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So Rick, um, what software do you currently use in your own business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? Yeah, so we we use, and you've probably heard of this software before, Infusionsoft, sure. um, and it helps for, for emailing. And, and I, I'm just a big believer in, in direct-to-consumer marketing, direct response marketing. And so one of the things we do with every product that we work with is build a database and then really go out and email to that database all the time. And that's just a software that we use uh, quite a bit. Here's a slightly more challenging question then. What piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you intend to try maybe at some point in the near future? You know, we, we have a marketing company and a lot of uh, clients are using different softwares. And so one of the things that we're seeing over here and you're probably seeing over there is Amazon is just becoming so much part of everyone's marketing strategy and I know that there's some good marketing software. There's a friend of mine uh, named Chad Rubin that has uh, uh, a software that helps you market on Amazon and then other online marketplaces called Scubana, Scubana. And I haven't personally used that, but a lot of the clients we work with that are uh, you know, doing e-commerce, marketing online and marketing Amazon, that's a, a software that, that they're having a lot of success with. Um, in helping with them with their marketing. Okay. I mean, do you know what it would help you do? I mean, are you talking about software that would help you 
define opportunities in terms of um, publishing a product in an area that's perhaps underserved in Amazon? Or are you talking about um, helping you to augment what you're already doing? I think uh, this, the, the latter it, it, um, is really um, a platform that's helping you with inventory and projection so that you don't run out on, on Amazon and lose the buy box. And so I think it's an, uh, it's more than just an in inventory management tool, but it's a, it's, a, it's a really good software that a lot of our clients use. Great. Okay. Well, let's move on to. I wish I would have. So I'd like you to look back um, on the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? Oh, that's that's a great question. And I want your listeners to know that I'm not a real technical guy on online, and sure. and so I've utilized a lot of. Um, uh, marketing partners, strategic marketing partners for for online marketing, and you know, for me, um, the best answer to that question is, I wish I had brought in more expertise to help me do the online marketing than 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 I currently did in my early days. I, I and I still do a lot of strategic partners with partnerships with online marketing companies uh, where I'll do a lot of the traditional advertising and let them do the online. So I feel like for me, it was really um, bringing the best people or person or expertise in-house uh, to help me out sooner. And I guess the next step in that is um, to really learn as much as possible myself about how to do that and do that through going to, I'm a big believer in education, to going to seminars and conferences and, and really in, embrace um, new techniques that, that are being taught out there from other people that are successful. And I guess listening to a podcast like this is a perfect example of that because I'm sure you, I think I heard you said this was like 240th episode yeah, or exactly. 70th or something. And, and in that, all that time, if someone had done nothing but listening to that, I, I would imagine that they've been really able to help any type of their marketing or sales online because you learn something new from every single person you talk to um, that can have an impact on your business. And it might be a, a 45 minute podcast and you might get one idea from it, but that's, that's really the, the, the key to success is is really keeping an open mind and always looking for new and better ideas from what you're currently doing. Okay, okay. So it sounds like you maybe tried to, to do before you knew a little bit too much in, yeah. Uh, yeah, in online. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, this uh, next section is going to be quite interesting. Um, hopefully you will have heard of uh, every single thing that um, I'm going to mention here because this is 10 quick questions. Uh, just to summarize, um, there's Two rules, uh, try not to think too much, and you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion, so use it wisely. Twitter or Snapchat? Twitter. Facebook or LinkedIn? Facebook. YouTube or Facebook Live? YouTube. Mobile or desktop? Mobile. Website or app? Website. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Outreach or advertise? Outreach. Email to one or email to many? Email to one. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. 
and local marketing or global marketing? Global marketing. <laughs> and there wasn't one both required there at all. That wasn't um, as challenging as perhaps you thought it was going well, to some be. Of, some of them are definitely both. I, the emailing question uh, to one or to many, I, I always write emails, um, you know, in a direct response copywriting, like you're writing one-on-one, -on -one, mm. but you're sending it out to many people. Um, so those are really good questions. And, my, you know, I'm answering from the perspective of which which ones would help me in, in doing direct response marketing to the consumer and getting them to respond in some way. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like to just see if I can feel as if there's a, a slight reaction to one of the questions and then drill deeper into that. But I mean, to be honest with you, with your sure. answers there, you're, you're quite um, sure and, you know, steady footed um, every single response there. So it's difficult to to drill into things too um, deeply. Um, you obviously said Twitter to begin with uh, when I said Twitter or Snapchat. Have you have you actually tried Snapchat? No, I, 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 that's, and again, that's why the answer came quickly because I haven't used Snapchat personally that much. So some of the, my answers are based on just because I've used something more than another. So if I'm more comfortable, that's where the answer came from. Not, not something for your listeners. Oh, this one's better than that one. So yeah, in absolutely. that particular case. That's fair enough. Okay. Well, let's move on to you. The $10,000 question. So if I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? That's a great question. I'd have to say um, Facebook advertising, we're seeing a, a, and measure success. Every type of advertising we've always done um, is measurable. That's what direct response marketing is. So we would uh, build the um, advertising uh, really around whatever the product or service or driving people to the website or whatever we're doing. And we're just seeing, and again, I'm not basing this on we're experts in every type of marketing, but for that amount of money, I think that we would get our best bang for the buck using Facebook advertising. Great, great. Okay, well, um, that just takes up to my number one takeaway. So, um, Rick, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what is the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listener just needs to take away and implement within their own business? Okay, if you're marketing a product, spend a, a, a lot of time thinking about your unique selling proposition. What makes you unique in the marketplace? Because if you're able to do that, the rest of your marketing will be, I'm not going to say easy, but it'll be easier and you'll stand out from your competitors and uh, help drive more traffic, more sales to whatever you're doing. Great. Okay. So the days of easy sales online are coming to an end and you've, you're going to have more competition in the future and it's absolutely essential to differentiate yourself, to, to emphasize to the prospect, you know, why you are better and different and you have to be the choice rather than the competitor. Absolutely. Lovely. Okay. Well, um, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time and your advice. What's the best way for a listener to find out more about you and what you do? Well, David, we mentioned it earlier. Um, if people wanted to get the five keys to building a great brand, all they can, they can go to Cesare Ignite forward slash branding and they could download the five keys and then, um, or they could go to, uh, cesaremedia.com is our agency website. 
those two two things. So, and I wanted to thank you. Uh, this has been a lot of fun to do uh, in an area where I would say I'm not the the biggest expert in the world. But but you know, at the end of the day, marketing is marketing, and I just thought your questions were really great, and you're really easy to talk to. And I'm going to start listening to your podcast now moving forward. <laughs> Lovely. Well, thank you for coming on. The the great thing about marketing or even digital marketing is no one knows everything about everything and it's important to learn about what people are specialists in you know and you can offer so much value from your experience and you know listeners can obviously take that and apply that specifically in what they do not necessarily you know directly in the same way that that you would do it but i'm sure there are many tidbits in there that that, that people can apply to their businesses so thank you for coming on all right you're welcome thank you great okay so thank you to rick and thank you to our listener too if you have an opinion of what rick shared today tell us what you think so the facebook page is facebook.com slash digital marketing radio you can tweet me at david bain and please remember to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already so you can do that at digitalmarketingradio.com slash itunes for iphones or digitalmarketingradio.com slash android for android devices but until we meet again be fantabulous do one thing that scares you. Adios.